0: You are listening to Scoop B
1: Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop Radio, DJ Maniel. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on this media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com/poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com/poll. S-C-O-O-P. The letter B. R-A-D-I-O. Dot com slash p-o-l-l. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoop B Radio with Brandon Robinson. E. K. Manny Manny yo. Scoop B Radio You know what's official if Barry Bond say it, yo. The best in the business. That's word Scoop. You either tuning in, in or reading the word from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B say it, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment, he give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews he gave you to fix on iTunes, the number one podcast, the Jordan, the journalist, the goats, so why ass. Watch out, watch out. If, watch out. About it, if he naming them, ScoopD.com, do numbers like Chamberlain pin game is a gift got the gift to gab if he say this gospel it's as simple as that now pay attention and you can see the way it go enough of this talking this is scoopy radio you're listening to scoopy radio get on his instagram now at follow Scoop him B. at scoopy follow him yes sir. scoopy radio. Scoop radio in your airwaves on the plane on the train Everywhere you need to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at ScoopB, Instagram, and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting ScoopBradio.com. 2.1 million streams in 2019, and one of the main reasons why is because we do get newsmakers, we do get impactful people and people who are creating the flow and not going with the flow that doesn't change as the person that i have on the line is my main man jay hernandez assistant coach with the charlotte Hornets. jay welcome to Scoopy radio once again and nice i appreciate you having me on it's always always a pleasure to be on of course my man you uh how are you and your family doing uh in north carolina during uh the coronavirus pandemic and the hulk of course Um, hoping the NBA season so far.
2: Yeah, we're we're doing well. You know, everybody's uh, doing their part. Kids are in school taking online classes. My wife's a third-grade teacher, so she's been teaching. And I've been figuring out my routine, just what I'm going to look like each day, what what kind of work I can attack, how I can help my players. And uh, none of us knew how long this was going to be or how long it was going to last. So we're just all day-to-day working on our projects, trying to improve individually, trying to improve as a team, and hopefully when we get back together, uh, all of us are a little bit better in different areas, and
1: we're all going to be very excited to get back on the court. No NBA season going on right now. However, uh, during your downtime and just reading, um, you have um, been doing your professional lifestyle clinics. You're also working with the Hornets to provide drills for kids. To practice in their homes since most public courts, you know, have been closed due to social distancing guidelines and limits on public gatherings related to COVID nineteen. Um, tell me more about your drills that you've been doing, both, I guess, in the community and online.
2: Yeah, it's something that the Hornets asked me to be a part of, and I was excited to do it, just to show kids how they can work out on their own in their garages. And it's something that I did for years in my basement in my garage. Uh, growing up as a kid. So it, it was great. It was, it was fun. And, uh, they, they were able to shoot out a couple of videos for, for the kids to be able to do. So that was exciting. Uh, I've been able to do some, some professional lives, IG lives with, with lead assistants, coaches throughout the league, guys that played, played the game at a very high level, Byron Scott, Kim Hardaway Sr., uh, to name a few. And it was just great for me as a, as a fan, as a basketball junkie, uh, to be able to have guys that I respect. Uh, in the game currently, as well uh it was just phenomenal to be able to pick their brains, see what their journey was like, and uh I have all the up and coming coaches, all the player development guys that are out there, high school coaches, college coaches, and you know aspiring guys it was it was great because they got to see firsthand what it was about they were able to ask questions and engage with them as well and it's It's something that I wanted to do for a while, I just never really had the time, especially around this time of year so uh, we were able to get that going, and then I've been doing some coaches clinics as well. It's been giving me an opportunity to uh, talk to coaches from across the world, put stuff in a PowerPoint presentation, be real efficient with my messaging for for those coaches, and you know how to explain some of the drills and some of the techniques that, that we work on. Uh, be able to give some some day-to-day information to them as well in terms of what my roles and responsibilities are. Uh, so that's been really, really good for me. Again, it's helping me grow because each time I do it, I get a little bit better in terms of my my messaging. So uh, all of those things have been very unique. We've been setting up Zoom Zoom calls, you know, with with our players, with uh, with the coaching staff, and um, you know, those those are areas as well where we've had opportunities to to continue to grow as a staff. You know, by continuing to learn and be able to push each other. So um, from that standpoint, the the experiences have been good, and hopefully. Some of the things that we picked up on here and then we've done, we'll be able to take with us when we're able to get back alive in the flesh and be able to just add this as something as an added benefit.
1: Board in the house, in the house, board Scoopy Radio on the line with Jay Radio. Hernandez, assistant coach for Charlotte Hornets. Um, you discussed social media, Instagram and more. I had uh, Phil Handy, assist, uh, player development assistant coach, uh, with the Lakers on Scoopy radio recently. And I asked him, um, when did it become cool for assistant coaches, coaches and, you know, people in player development to use Instagram? Do you see a generational gap between maybe older coaches and younger coaches as it relates to social media? And how do you guys use it to your advantage?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been looked at differently from, from different coaches or even different organizations. And so I think uh, part of it is, today it's one of the ways that I'm able to connect with my players. It's it's one of the ways that I'm able to reach my players by just sharing a video that I see right there on the spot. I know they're they're watching. And so from that standpoint they know uh that I'm somebody that has a life outside of basketball as well and I can put some some content up there so they appreciate it, they engage with it. And so I think it's it's definitely something that's a valuable tool. Um I think Um, like anything else, you you have to present yourself in a certain kind of way. Otherwise, it could be looked at negatively, you know, by people. And that, that's with anybody in any field, right? So, uh, for me, it's just being responsible with the way you're using your social media. And, um, obviously during the season, it's a little bit harder to keep up with it, right? Because we're, we're scouting games and, and we're, we're focusing on the, on the competitive aspect of it. Um, but when you have opportunities to, to lay low and, you know, show a little bit about yourself and your personality, I think it's it's a great engagement tool, you know, especially for me with, with my players and then just to be able to share my story with other people that maybe want to be in the same situation. Um, so I think at times there is, you know, certain people that don't know how to use it or, you know, aren't comfortable with it, you know, for one reason or another. And I'm sure there's there's some things out there right now that I'm not using that maybe somebody else might try, like like TikTok or <laughs> <laughs> something else you know and so it's just it's just trying to figure out what what you're comfortable with and what what lane you want to, to be involved with. So for me right now it's it's been more Twitter and Instagram and um, you know I've been you know at this point in time I've been using it for for a long time. so it's just kind of something that that I've come up with uh, when I had my own business. I didn't actually share that much because I felt like I was trying to keep a competitive advantage. I felt like mm. I didn't want to give my information away to my competition. Uh, now that I'm in the NBA, um, I don't, I don't have that, that, that same feeling about it. You know, I feel like more at this stage of my career that I want to share more and and engage more in terms of how things are going in the NBA side of things and, you know, how I'm involving my family throughout the process. So, uh, I just think that there's been a lot more positives of me being able
1: to use social media than, than not. If I'm not mistaken, um, you were the, Head coach for the Charlotte Hornets' summer League last summer, correct? Uh, the summer before. Weren't you considered the first Puerto Rican born coach in summer league history or MPA history, period?
2: Yeah, so, um, i i I was actually the first Puerto Rican assistant, um, you know, especially on the bench when I was in Orlando. So as, as that established, uh, um, you know, first, um, basically first person with Puerto Rican descent, right? My, my father's Puerto Rican so I'm half Puerto Rican and uh, you know that that was a, a big deal. You know, definitely and the same thing in Summer League. I was the first uh Puerto Rican to ever uh take over the helm as a summer league coach, you know, in in NBA Summer League. So um you know great opportunity and you know, recently I was able to do a coaches clinic, um a virtual coaches clinic for for Puerto Rico and uh, it was one of the things that I talked to them about is like, I take the responsibility of that and I, I just try to do the best job I can. So I, and hopefully it opens up more doors for people to come from, you know, after me because there's, there is so much talent, you know, that, that's coming from Puerto Rico when I played there. Some great guards. And obviously you can see guys like Carlos Arroyo and, and uh, JJ Barre and those guys, you know, if they, they want to get into coaching, they're, they're going to do a phenomenal job. And, you know, so from that standpoint, it's, it's been pretty cool to, to be a
1: part of that. That process and um you know i'm looking forward to seeing you know what happens over the next few years you got that obama effect going for for your your fellow puerto rican brothers and sisters the first the burden of the representation but wearing it proud i'd say
2: yeah i mean it's a yeah I, I can remember you know watching my father play play 13 seasons in pr and um you know i was seven years old when, when i saw him play and he played for the national team so you know obviously that was always one of my uh my goal was to, to play for the national team as I was coming up, and I just appreciated uh, what he went through and, and how, how much talent there was there. And just even watching The Last Dance and Phil Jackson, you know, starting in Puerto Rico and getting his time there. Uh, Gene Bartow, uh, TJ Carlissimo, coached my father. So there's just hmm. been a, a, a plethora of coaches and guys that, that have gone through that, that league over the years, and I don't think people understand, you know, how, how that felt developed. You know, so many good players and so many good coaches, uh, referees over the years. You know, it's just, uh, a great place. And, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, a chance to play there for a few seasons. And, you know, early on, I decided that uh, my pathway was going to be improving players, I decided to start my own business. But, uh, you know, just some great memories of, of being down there, watching my father and being down there and playing. Um, just, just love, love the island and, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to, to seeing, you know, where they take it because basketball is, is, is Came down there they, they love basketball, so it's always awesome
1: to see you know who's up and coming and, and you know who's gonna take the throne. you mentioned last dance um it meant the world was watching uh the last dance while it was on, and you mm-hmm. lived uh through watching the ninety bulls era as I did as well yeah. um to see it again as a coach or an assistant coach, what do you take from it this time around versus when you were younger, you were coming up maybe high school early college what what do what differences do you see as an adult? versus what you saw when you were
2: younger? Yeah, when I was younger, I was just a straight fan, right? I just wanted to see the best of the best go at it. Obviously, being in New York, you know, watching Knicks go at it with, with the Bulls, um, just some great memories. And obviously, you know, the rest of the teams that, that were in the East that were battling just the physicality behind it, you know, how much the game has changed. So I'm just looking at, you know, how they, how they were scoring, you know, the length that was on the court, um, you know, like just, just how some of that stuff would translate to t- today, how some of it might not translate. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at all of that right now to see, you know, just, just, uh, it's always fun to try to compare errors and, and see what, what guys are doing then, if it would work now and, and vice versa. So, um, I'm, I'm basically loving just the aspect of the behind the scenes, you know, the competitive side, you know, of obviously Michael Jordan and then just to see like, you know, the, just the the roles that guys took on over the years and how all the different teammates got better
1: and, you know,
2: just how he was he was motivating by the way he worked and mm-hmm. you know, he was the hardest worker in the room and you know, that that's what's impressive, right? When when you have Phil Jackson who's obviously a Hall of Fame coach and you, know, you got other, other guys who are Hall of Fame players on the roster and then have, you know, arguably the best player you know, ever you know, on the roster, and he's he's basically calling the shots. You know, in terms of how things are going to get done in the off season and practices and things like that. That's that's huge. I mean, that to talk about you know culture, you know, builder, and you know, just just the way you you establish standards. Um, when you have your players owning it like that, it's you're gonna have a lot of success. And obviously, they
1: had a lot of success, and, and that's that's the main reason why. You're currently an assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets. You worked previously uh, with the Orlando Magic, Um, and in 2004, you established Pro Hoops Inc., a basketball training service based in New York, uh, for teams and individuals seeking to improve their performance. I remember covering you way back when, and when I was at Patch uh, at AOL Patch on Long Island. And since then, you know, I've watched your development, your growth, and some of the names that come out of Pro uh, Hoops are Charles Jenkins, uh, Tobias Harris, uh, and Kimba Walker. Uh, Have are you encouraged or are you pleased uh, to see the level of success? I mean, you work with them and you've been in the various you know functions with the respective teams that they've been on. But now that they've moved on to other teams, the the Philadelphia 76ers for Tobias. um, you know, the, the Boston Celtics with Kemba. Um, do you kind of have an out of body experience sometimes just observing them or watching them because you've known some of the grind that you, could, that they've gone through with you? Like, are you pleased to see how well they're doing now? This
0: is be yeah,
2: always. You know, when you, when you spend that time, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar said it best is sweat binds more than glue. You know, sweat binds more than glue. And, and we just spend a lot of hours just sweating in the gym, you know, being there one-on-one, you know, sometimes in small group settings and, you know, spending a lot of time year year after year trying to, to hone their skills, and at the same time, I was I was honing mine. So it, it, it's it's a pleasure just to see them represent whatever cities they go to, you know, as, as people. You know, every time they go to another city, they just they take over the city just from a standpoint of the community loves them. That they're engaged with with what's going on out there, and um, just see that like that hasn't changed is probably the best thing. You know, I knew playing wise they were gonna figure it out and they were going to create their own lanes just like a lot of the players that we had come through those doors, you know, for, for years and so, um yeah, I, I do. I as as like uh as a big brother, I, I always I take pride in seeing them be successful, um, both on and off the court. And uh that that's why I think they've been successful because they've never stopped growing, they never stopped learning. That the growth mindset is there for both of them. And uh, you know, any coach that they go to they're just trying to seek as much knowledge and information as they can and they're they're very quick to apply those skill sets. Whatever they're picking up, they're, they 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 want to try it in game situations which is very rare for a lot of guys because when you get to the professional level, the last thing you want to do is look dumb in in front of people, right? You don't want to look dumb in the public's eye and they're not afraid to make mistakes. And so that that's that's been the coolest thing to see is like they're they're willing to try things, they'll make a mistake, but they know that eventually it can help them down the road and, um, you know, they'll go step up in the biggest moments, so that, that's that's been fun, it really has been, and, and over the years we, we always say the same thing, so the iron sharpens eyes, one player sharpens another um, and, you know, they, they were always sharpening each other's skill sets, and uh, it, it's cool to see that those relationships that were forced in the gym are still relationships
1: that they have now, and you uh, know uh, that's, that's what it all comes down to. You're a member of the Hofstra men's basketball team from 1998 to 2001 that made consecutive postseason appearances, coached by Jay Wright, uh, teammates teammates with uh, Speedy Claxton. And uh, you are seeing Jay be successful, Jay Wright, uh, Villanova, winning a national championship. You see Speedy, um, you know, as an assistant coach at Hofstra, um, be surprised that Speedy went the route that he did Um, and became an assistant
2: at Hofstra? Um, No, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, he's always had the the bug to stay in the game. I I thought potentially he would have stayed in the NBA game. He was scouting, and, you know, when he decided to go back to Hofstra, I know everybody was excited. All the guys that played with him, obviously the Hofstra community, were super excited to know that, that he was there and the fact that they were able to, get to the tournament this year by winning. You know, obviously, you are not going to have a chance to participate, but um, just by winning the, the league title and, and the success that they had after 20 years of not getting to the tournament, um, he's a big reason why we were able to get there in the first place and a big reason why they, they got back there now. And so, it's, it's really cool. You know, we f- we all feel that attachment. Obviously, Coach Joe Mahal does a great job and, and I'm, I'm real close with him as well. So, just to see you know that they're doing it the right way. You know, and, and we always say when you do things the right way, it takes longer to succeed, but it lasts longer when you do. And so they, it took a little bit of, of a while, but you know, I, I think it's here to it's here to stay now. You know, they they keep getting the same quality people, the same type of talent year after year. They're competing for championships, so uh I'm excited to see him, him continue to grow as a coach. And you know, I, I have no doubt that he'll be a head coach sooner than later.
1: Charlotte Hornets are in the tenth uh seed at uh twenty three and forty two at the halt of uh, the NBA's uh season because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um young team, uh, I look at you guys' squad. Um and you guys got some names. It's Mac um you guys have Terry Rozier, Malik Ron- excuse me, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham. Um when you got when you as a player development coach or assistant coach uh work with this team because you guys are young does it take you back to the Orlando days
2: yeah i mean it definitely does because we're we're here trying to figure out ways to put these guys in great situations they're they're, they're trying to figure out their games uh they're trying to figure out you know our style of play and how their games fit into that style of play and so i definitely do i think Orlando coming in uh Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Evan Fournier, Nick Lucevich, Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton. I mean, it, the list was was long. Uh, Moe Harkless uh, of guys that were there that were young, talented. Um, so it was, you know, it was definitely exciting to get in there because you had guys that wanted to get better. And it's the same thing now. It's, you come into the gym, and we have a packed gym in the off season. These guys are around. They stay in Charlotte. They work out here. And so they're all about improvement and with our young team, as as we continue to see this, the season progress, um, you know, our defense has gotten better. You know, our young guys are, are starting to figure out, you know, we were competing with, with some of the best teams that the league had right now. And, you know, their games were close and we're, we're starting to figure out like how to close out games and, and what we want to go to um, without, without coaches to, having to say it all the time. They're, they're starting to, to make those reads on their own, which is, Eventually, how you know, guys are starting to really figure things out. So, you know, without a doubt, I think, I just think from a, from a personality standpoint, um, a talent standpoint, there's young guys that, that have the talent that, that want to be in the gym, want to get better and want to, you know, make their mark. I think there's a lot of similarities from that standpoint for
1: sure. I remember when the Hornets came out, they had these teal jerseys. You had Larry Johnson, you had Alonzo Mourning. you had monthly Bogues. You just had a, a plethora of just youth. Do you remember those Hornets days from the 90s? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, they were they were talented. I mean,
2: um, I, I was I was always a big Larry Johnson fan. I just uh, I never really you don't see many guys that that, were that that size that could that could flow the way he did with the basketball. Um, obviously from the University Re- Rebels days, um, I just I just love what they were about. They were tenacious, you know. They were talented, so. Uh, he was always somebody that, that I enjoyed watching play. Um, so, you know, obviously Muggsy, you know, could, could just pick up full court. You know, he was handling the run and, and doing his thing. And It's great to see him around us all the time. You know, he's somebody that, that, that's here in Charlotte now. So, um, yeah, they were, they were fun. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, watching, watching them compete again, you, you know, you almost forgot how good they were, you know, and, and, you know, to have them compete against the Bulls. In the playoffs, and, and the fact that they were selling out the arena consistently back then was was a big deal. You know, and that's something that I know we're we're working for. We want we want to have that kind of excitement here in Charlotte again. And uh, you know, watching those games it gives you goosebumps, too. But yeah, you know, there's, there's a fan base here that's ready and, and and willing to to to, to back us and, and be a part of what we're doing here. So I, I definitely see. You know the growth potential here. The city's growing by leaps and bounds. Our young players are growing, so I think it's it's the right time. Well, we'll the trajectory is going in the right direction.
1: I spoke to our Hofstra buddy uh, Jared Greenberg earlier today, and uh, one of the things he said to me was, um, he said he hasn't with this whole coronavirus pandemic, he hasn't slept this much since he was a teenager. <laughs> what's your sleep? What's your sleep schedule looking like?
2: Yeah. Um yeah, I'm pretty much, I'm up in the morning and by 8.30, uh, every day. You know, I try to, try to get up with, with my wife Allison, who's, who's teaching. So she's got, she's got to be on Zooms by nine. And so, yeah, usually, uh, I'm a night owl. So I, I tend to put up later. You know, I might go to bed at one, two. I stay on my computer. I'm watching a lot of film right now. So it's usually when everybody's asleep, I tend to get most of my work done. The kids are, somewhat, they're up somewhat early as well because they're taking online classes, so uh, the house is is pretty active, Uh, usually having us anywhere, we have like two or three different things going on a day with with Zooms or uh, coaches clinics and stuff that that I'm either a part of or I'm watching, Um, so it just seems like between that and then, you know, the, the workout routine, um, you know, some self-improvement stuff that I've been working on. So, you know, I think that the day seems to go for me pretty fast. I think, uh, we enjoy our time. We've got our day, daily walks when it's nice. We're hanging out on the porch together. So, um, I, you know, I always joke around, I love my family, but, you know, I, I definitely like them as well, which is a really good thing. You know, some people love their family, but don't like them. So I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the love-like category right now. So I've
1: been fortunate. Tell me something. I, you know, there's been just, different deliberations uh, based upon whether the season's going to zoom, whether it's not, what have you. You and I are neither the weatherman nor God, but I'm curious to know from an acoustics perspective, from a coaching perspective, how much do fans, cheering, not cheering, in your mind, really affect the flow of a game?
2: Yeah, I think uh, fans are a big thing. I think (laughs) the fans in the NBA uh, probably – make the biggest difference out of any of the sports that are out there uh you know the super bowl is held, held at a neutral site you know, baseball i haven't seen you know the home field advantage be that big of a deal i feel like with the basketball people are jockeying for position in the, in the regular season to get home court advantage right? because having game seven on your court is, is that big of a deal the percentages say so uh the players feelings you know say so and you know obviously having that backing where it's like you get back-to-back threes and it feels like the, the roof is about to come down on the other team, you know, they feel it as well. So, uh, having fans is a big deal. You know, obviously we, we love, we love our fans. We love having them there. Uh, a lot of the ones that become your, your season ticket holders, you get to see and know, uh, throughout the years. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, when we want them there, but, uh, if we have to play some games, so obviously without them, you know, as professionals, but they, they're they're guys that are they're used to playing, you know, and at one point in time, in empty gyms, and just just playing pickup and and playing to win. And I think you're going to see that, you know, from a lot of guys. They're going to hone in. The best players they tend to tune out the crowds, you know. So I think they'll they'll go out there and they'll, they'll be laser focused. And I think, you know, like me watching the UFC now, obviously with no time for, at the UFC events, but. Those guys are putting on shows, and uh, they realize that all eyes are on them because there's nothing else going on. I think our, our players will do the same. They'll, they'll take that responsibility on and, and
1: put on a great show. This is Biambo, uh, averages uh, His field goal percentage is 54.3%. Um, last year, he was at 57.1%. In today's day and age, the big man is kind of like a combo of the power forward in center position. It's it's like there's no defined role, it seems. Um, to me, Bismarck seems like a, a, a unicorn because he is a position player. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Orlando when you were in Orlando. Yes. I guess the question for you is, do you see the center position making a return in the NBA, or do you think it's going to strictly be hybrid guys?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think, uh, the guys that can play a specific position and do it really well, they're, they're going to be fine. (laughs) They're going to stick in the league. I think a lot of the league is going into positionless basketball where guys can handle pass and shoot, you know, um, on defense, they can switch one through five. So Mm -hmm. you're definitely going to see a lot more of that. But at the end of the day, if somebody can dominate you on the glass, you can get, and set up great screening angles and, and get the guards open, you know, for, for wide open threes or hit the pocket and make the extra pass for another corner three. Uh, I don't think I don't think you're gonna see those guys go well. I just think that uh, what you end up seeing is that those skill sets will keep expanding. The things that they work on, where maybe at one point in time, uh, coach 15 years ago wouldn't have thought of taking that seven foot center and, and working on three point shooting during during uh, practices. We'll start doing that more often as part of what the whole team does. You know, they won't be singled out and say, okay, well, you're just going to put your back to the basket here or shoot just 15 footers. So I think there's going to be, you know, some level of uh, involvement there for for some of the players that are out there. But uh, yeah, when you have guys that that just know how to play, that defensively talk and are the anchor of your defense and, um, you know, they know how to play to their strengths offensively, uh, I think they're still going to be. Uh, a place for those guys you know so it's exciting to see when guys can can figure that out and realize hey uh, this might not be me i'm going to try to keep getting better in these areas but i'm going to dominate not dominate you with known strength and that's that's what the best has done i mean look at at dennis rodman you know he just was able to keep everything alive you know Mm -hmm. just out rebound everybody out work everybody defend everybody he could pass you know very underrated passer um, so, you know, you start to look at those things and you realize, like, hey, there's value for guys that know who they are and, um, you know, how they want to go about things. So uh, I definitely think you're obviously going to see more and more positionless basketball. I think you're going to see more skilled players one through five out there. But, um, you know, long story short, you know, guys that, that
1: that can dominate with known strength are still going to have a, have a place in the NBA. Riddle me this, uh, in the 90s and even the 80s and the 70s, um, you know, there were set positions. The point guard seemed to be more, um, pass first, not a scorer. Um, and then yeah. now in today's day and day age, you got guys like Derrick Rose, you got guys like Kimba, you got guys like Kyrie Irving that can do some of everything and they're not perceived as ball hawks. Well, what a, what a transition of a few uh, decades make. I'm right. curious to know from your perspective, having coached them, having trained them, where would Kimba Walker fit? In the '80s and the '90s, as a point guard in the NBA.
2: Oh, I mean, again, just people are very underrated in terms of where he is in, in the toughness toughness meter, right? So, you know, a guy that that can score 60 and and have physical long guards defending him and, and defenses doing everything they can to stop him. I saw that all firsthand. You know, I saw lots and ones and you know traps and. Zones and all those kinds of things against him, you know, at this point in time. So I definitely think that he would, he would do, he would do great. You know, I, I, I same thing. I think guys that were in the 80s and 90s that were doing the thing would, would figure out a way to play in this era too. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. So, you know, I think guys that can hoop can hoop. And, um, you know, I think he's one of those guys, uh, that would figure out his style of play, you know, for that era and, you know, would figure out how to utilize. A big man, you know. Obviously, when he had Al Jefferson here, they they were able to to get to the playoffs. And he one of the things he said is that was one of his favorite teammates. You know, he loved when he had Al, you know, in in Charlotte because he knew he can he can just dump it in there when he was getting a little tired or, you know, if he if he, if he needed a bucket or he needed to you know mix things up. And so, as you know, at that point in time, he had some of the best centers of all time playing during that era. You know, he still had somebody that was that was super legit. So you know, I think uh I think he would have had a lot of fun. I think guys would have loved playing with him. His personality is one that um you know guys appreciate being around. So uh, whether it's the eighties, nineties, two thousands, it doesn't matter, the guy the guy can play and, and you know he would have done his best.
1: Diplomatic, insightful, thoughtful. Jay Hernandez on the line with Beat radio. Uh I guess my last question um for you is What old school or legendary basketball player have you watched um, or what particular player have you watched or even specific team that you've watched tape of throughout this whole coronavirus pandemic that maybe you you, you gain a better better appreciation for who they were, what they represented and more? Yeah. So the great one. Um, I've watched some
2: old, George Karl games I watched the Denver Nuggets you know when uh, they 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 were they were playing really good basketball playing a fast paced brand of basketball where they were you know leading the league you know with a, a young guy on the roster um you know obviously Kenneth Reed. um you know they just they, they 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 got up and down they could score in bunches um they, they were fun so I got to watch uh, them play against the Lakers, you know, and, and, and see, uh, obviously Toby, rest in peace, you know, competing against them and, and seeing how they were making adjustments throughout. Uh, so that, that was, that was fun. Obviously watching the, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Anthony days, you know, seeing, seeing what Nash was able to do out there, um, you know, with his guys. And obviously Raja Bell was a guy that I had a chance to work out with. So just being able to, to see him, uh, compete in his prime and, and do the things that he was doing was, was fun, you know, kind of brought me back. Um, you know, just, you know, those, those those games, we were doing a lot of just watching, uh, old school basketball and then being able to to talk to each other as coaches and, and be able to say like, Hey, did you guys see, see what they were doing here? And, you know, they, it, it was fun because even some of the, the defense was different at that time you know, in terms of what they could do. Um, but, you know, just a big appreciation for those things. Uh, obviously Charles Barkley is somebody that I've been watching. I've been getting to- tape on because uh young young chuck was was so impressive i mean no my <laughs> goodness i mean people just don't understand the handles the, the the physicality the athleticism you know just all of it i mean the guy is, is so fun to watch so um you know i i, I definitely trying to break down some stuff there to see you know how i can help some of our young guys uh right now because he 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 do He'd be the definition of a positionless basketball player in today's game. I mean, talk about the mismatches he'd be able to create if he was playing today. So, uh, yeah, it's been really, really fun just to kind of delve into, into some of those games and then be able to watch our games again and, you know, just see if there's anything that, that can be included, you know, some, some creative after timeout plays that, that I've been responsible for in the last year and a half with our team and, you know, just seeing if there's anything I can pick up and, and, and kind of dust off and, you know added to, to today's game so that's been the coolest
1: part about the whole experience you heard it first the creative who is dis- disguised as an assistant coach in the nba i like it <laughs> no doubt man we're trying here's the good news you're off the hot seat sir uh
2: i appreciate you it was, it's, it's always uh, always a great time and uh obviously i love talking basketball with you you're one of the best so uh thank you for for you know doing this with me and uh Definitely looking forward to, to seeing what you have coming up.
1: Yes, sir. I'll talk to you soon, Coach. Thank you.
2: All right, thank you.
1: This is Scoopie Radio saying, "You bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Duncan." Come on. Hold
0: up.